Welcome to the People You Should Know podcast. Telling the stories of people you should know and allowing their greatness to inspire everyday people. And now, here are your weekly hosts, Danny Ferry and David Farwell. Hello and welcome to the People You Should Know podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ferry. Alongside me today, as always, is my co-host, Dave Farwell. For our first-time listeners, we want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're using to listen to this right now. Dave, try to say that five times fast. It's gonna, right? it is, It's tough. Also, be sure to sign up for episode alerts by joining our mailing list. That way you know when new episodes drop. Don't worry. We won't send you junk. We are only looking to add value to your life. So head over to heydoyouknow.com and sign up for those episode alerts. That's hey do you know.com dave how are you doing today man man i'm doing well this has been an exciting day uh i've lived on zoom so far for my entire morning uh but uh very thankful to be um connected to so many people across the globe uh zoom can be a good thing <laughs> in moderation <laughs> oh yep. man but. So I have a question for you uh, before we get into kind of uh, a story from my morning. Um, do you have any recommendations for people how to get over Zoom fatigue? Because I am one of those people that during the pandemic, like I was on Zoom so much that right. like I would see a Zoom invite and I would just want to like thrash the computer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just couldn't take it anymore. I was tired <laughs> of virtual meetings. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I will say two things that really freed me to not uh, not have a negative attitude towards Zoom. Um, the first is take a walk. Yeah. Oh man, just just get. I mean, just get outside and decompress. Let your brain reset um, so that you can bring your best to the people who deserve your best when you're on your next call. But the second thing is, is that I, I've really come to protect my schedule. So gotcha. I have two days per week where during the work week where Zooms are not permitted um, and they are just completely blocked off. If you got something you got to tell me, you better bullet point it because we're <laughs> not getting out of Zoom. And, and those two things have been tremendously helpful for me to continue to be at my best when using online platforms. Nice, man. Yeah, like... Um, since the pandemic has kind of, there are some people who may say we're still in a pandemic. I, I tend to believe we're, you know, there is nothing re really at this point we can do. So have you seen your Zoom usage go down or is your Zoom usage the same because you're meeting with people all over the world or all over the country? So it's almost become like a necessary tool. Yeah, it really has become. I mean, my my marketing agency and the ministry that I'm a part of are both international in their nature. And so it's just going to be what it is. And yeah. I do appreciate that the world has opened up to us more because of that tool. Um, and it's not really on anybody else to make sure that we're, you know, protected in that regard from that Zoom fatigue or right. just feeling weary of it. We've, we've really got to step back and look at ourselves and figure out what we can do to make sure that, um, that we're, you know, available to this world that's opened up to us. Yeah, absolutely. So, my morning, uh, you know, I had a networking meeting this morning. And then afterwards, um, I don't know if you've ever had this, Dave, but uh, Laura and I were driving back uh, from up in the Harrisburg area on 
the infamous route 83 and oh yeah um we were just driving we didn't hear anything hit the car but all of a sudden my windshield cracked uh so we had to totally try wild. and get a yeah had to try to get a hold of somebody to to fix our windshield <clears throat> and so um I would love to talk more deeply about this topic because I, I believe that we are in an era of price gouging right now. Um, and, and it is super infuriating. So yesterday I went to a well-known glass store that replaces windshields and they gave me a number that like literally made me sick to my stomach when I asked them about replacing my windshield. Wow. And Thankfully, and, and this is just kudos to the power of networking, a few weeks back at my networking group, we had a, a, a gentleman who visited who happened to come to people's houses and replace windshields for them. Well, so, yeah, so, so I got this uh, price from this well-known glass company, uh, probably in, a, in, a, in an area near you. There's probably one. And... Um, I was like, no, I can't do this. So I went online. That's my next thing, right? Went online, checked it out. And then I remembered that I had a conversation with him and he had told me that about what he does. And so I sent him a text message and said, Hey man, um, this is the price I got. Like, do you think you, do you think you can match it? Can you beat it? I'd love to give my business to a small business local to the area. And so, uh, he ended up getting back to me and it was the cheapest price that I was able to get. Um, and I'll just say it was roughly almost $300 cheaper than this major company that had wow. quoted me. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So, um, today he's, today he came over and we, um, you know, he, he came, um, had the windshield right there in, in the vehicle with him. you know, right in my driveway, he's replacing, uh, my windshield. And so here in York right now, it's about 90 degrees today with a hundred percent humidity, and it's terrible. I mean, it's really hot. And I know you said we can keep our humidity here in the East Coast. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really felt bad. So I walked out and I was talking with him. I said, hey, do you want a soda? Do you want some water? I got him, got him a drink. Started talking to him, just asking him about his journey. And he had told me that during the pandemic, you know, he had, uh, you know, moved to the area mm. and that he first started trying to do a, a different business and it didn't work out and he got himself into some some debt during the pandemic and so uh anyway we were able to just talk and connect and um i really appreciated the great job that he did so i said hey let me know where i can leave you a really good review let me know how i can you know get the word out about what you're doing like i just sure, yeah. genuinely wanted to try and help him because uh his story really compelled me to to that you know hey let's let's try to help him. And then also he's giving a great service at a great price. Um, so anyway, um, I, I left him a review. I put a Facebook post up for anybody who follows me on, on Facebook and I just really wanted to spread the word. So, uh, a little bit later, uh, getting ready for the podcast, working on the podcast script at a little bit and, um, doing some different stuff. I get a phone call from, uh, this gentleman, his name's Jose. He calls me. And I'm like, hey, Jose, what's going on, man? Like, did I did I not write the check right? Did I do something wrong? You know, like, what did I do is really what I was thinking. <laughs> right. And he said, hey, I'm here with somebody else. I'm fixing his windshield. And he just told me that he wants to start a business. And I just thought that you should be somebody that he talks to based off of our previous conversation. Dude, Come on, that man. was so 
like cool to me, especially like, right. We're, this is episode three of our podcast. This is like the thing that we were talking about. For those of you who listened to episode one, right. Aaron Anderson talked about being that connector, being somebody that can connect one person to another. And it was like the first time that I felt like, man, you, I am the connector now. Yeah, you are. What an incredible story, Danny. And, and we, you know, we talked about this a little bit before the episode. It's not very often that you get such a quick and textbook result of networking and connecting with people. But man, what a tremendous gift for those of you who are listening to see such a quick turnaround to show both sides of the effort that happens that when when we are that connector for another person, when we seek out, you know, to, to make sure that we're looking out for the people that we're connecting yeah. with, how quickly they love to return that favor. It's really an incredible thing. And I'll tell you on the flip side of the story, just real quick before we jump into our our episode and our yeah. guest for today. I just uh, had a junk removal company come out to my house just yesterday. Um, and this is probably the experience that the majority of us have, not so much like, <laughs> like Danny's. Um, all right, it's, like high, it's like high school all over again. You're the jock and I'm the no. good boy, right? <laughs> get, a, get a quote over the phone, right? Quotes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm here... For the comic relief, I'll be here all episode. Yeah, uh, you know, the, you know, the, get a quote over the phone. The people show up. They say, you know, it, it could be slightly higher, uh, depending on how many floors we have to climb to get your stuff out of the house or whatever. Y'all, it is right in my garage. You pull in my driveway, open the garage door, and there's this tiny little pile. Their quote. From what they told me over the phone to what they're standing there in my driveway telling me was double. What? Double. Double what they told me. And on the way here, they had had a flat tire. And I couldn't help but think, these people are transferring their flat tire costs onto the cost of removing the stuff from my house. Look, they don't. They didn't really know who they were dealing with when they decided to double the cost. <laughs> but we'll just leave it to say they left empty-handed. I got online, looked up the same landfill that they were going to be taking my stuff to, and realized their price of two hundred and thirty-eight dollars to mm -hmm. remove seventeen items from my house is going to cost me twenty bucks in two hours of my time. Oh my god. And goodness. so, man, uh, Danny, congratulations on your story <laughs> and your experience. And, uh, uh, you know, this is the negative impact of, of, you know, being the right kind of person with the right heart toward people. You know, uh, instead of me sharing a positive story about this junk removal company, what I'm left with is uh, a negative review. And the reality is both the same. You know, we are quick to share the stories of our experiences. Remember mm -hmm. this for the clients that you're serving, those of you who are listening. Um, you know, the positive experience, they're going to share it. The negative experience, they're probably about three times as likely to share that experience. Um, so, man, what we talk about on this episode is incredibly important for every business owner and entrepreneur out there, um, both the good and the bad. Uh, but, Danny, let's, let's, let's transition, man. Let's get into who we got because I am super excited about our guest for today. Yeah, man, I am too. And our guest for today is Hans Skilrud. So for those of you who don't know who, don't know who he is, um, that's okay. He is the vice president of a company called 
Termageddon, excuse me. And before he was the president of Termageddon, Hans actually owned his own digital marketing company. So for me as a digital marketing owner, that's super interesting to me, right? Like what got him out of the digital marketing game into this other game. And then also how he was able to kind of, right, take what he learned in the digital marketing business. He grew that business, then transitioned to another business and grew that. So what networking principles did he use along the way? Hmm. Um, And the reason that his company is really important and one and somebody that I wanted to have on this show is because over the last three years, the government has uh, begun, begin to bring law and order to the internet. So I always kind of use the analogy that for like the last 30 years, the internet has been the wild, wild west. You could post whatever you wanted to post, however you wanted to post it. And there was no regulation whatsoever. Like uh, Google was having a field day. They were getting all your info. They were targeting you with ads. You were buying stuff you didn't need. You didn't even know you didn't need because they had all the information on you. They knew everything. And so the government has really tried to protect people, began to put in some privacy policy laws, cookie consent. And what happened was um, Hans and his wife, Donata, have created this company to make it easy for everyone. I'm not just talking about big businesses. I'm talking about the little guy, which is really important. Everyone to keep their website up to date with privacy policy. So without, awesome. fu- yeah, without further ado here, <clears throat> I want to bring in our guest, Hans Skillrude. Yeah, there he is. Hans, how are you doing today, man? Doing well, how are you gentlemen doing? Uh, man, we are doing fantastic. fantastic. Um, Dave just told an amazing story of how a uh, waste removal company uh, tried to charge him 10 times the amount of what it would actually cost. So we were talking a little bit about price gouging right now and, okay. um, you know, all of that fun stuff. But. That's neither here nor there because we want to hear about some different stuff uh, from you regarding um, regarding your company, regarding how you um, build up Termageddon, and so um, and how we do price gouging. Is that absolutely cool? yeah? yes, okay. cool. yes, cool. and so yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So um, before we get into our uh, conversation with Hans, I do have to. Um, pay the sponsors a little bit. They paid a little bit to be on the show here. So let me just do this quick, real quick, Hans, and then we'll we'll start asking you questions, all right? Great. So the People You Should Know podcast is sponsored by Empowered Creative. Empowered Creative is a digital marketing company that helps you build a positive online reputation and increase your online leads. So are you embarrassed by the way your website looks or do you feel overwhelmed with trying to manage your online marketing strategy? Do you want to feel confident that your online presence is having an impact? Visit empoweredcreative.co, click book a consultation, and you will be on your way to building a positive online reputation, increasing your leads, and feeling the confidence you deserve about your business's online presence. So Hans, thanks again for being here. Um, before we brought you on, we actually we, we actually um, primed the audience, kind of talked a little bit about how you were formerly a digital marketing company owner, much like myself now, and that you actually transitioned uh, over to, um, you know, being the vice president of Termageddon. So I just want to get a little bit of backstory here. Um, what got you into, I want to kind of go back to the digital marketing days, if, if you don't mind, what got you yeah. into the digital marketing rat race? 
Yeah. So, um, I guess it kind of starts before I started my agency. Um, uh, I was one of the first employees over at Groupon. Um, when Groupon first started, it was kind of one deal a day for 24 hours, and a bunch of people had to get together to buy the deal. It was something I thought was pretty profound, and I, I started working there and, and had a lot of success career-wise. Um, it was great. Um, Groupon went public, uh, and I felt like our we, we started to cannibalize our own market, meaning like we yeah. were – forcing small businesses instead of doing a 24 hour flash sale where a bunch of people had to get together. It was like, no, you're just going to discount yourself more than 50% off. And we're going to take a big chunk of that revenue and you're going to be making pennies on the dollar. And I just disagreed with that business model. I felt like we were screwing over small business owners. And that's when it kind of dawned on me that there needed to be kind of a help, a helping hand, someone to actually like help people who do great things, just be able to communicate that better online. And that's what was like, kind of like my passion and like why I started my agency. Um, uh, so I started one and I started an agency in 2012 and, and we were digital marketing, full scale digital marketing um, as the years progressed. Um, the team grew and we kind of focused in on web design and software development in particular, and then partnered up with uh, digital marketing companies in my final years. Um, so yeah, um, you, you know, we offered everything under the sun, digital marketing wise, and then mm-hmm. we ultimately closed down into web design and, and de- app development. So did you, did you close in on the web design part because it was the most profitable or did you actually have something that you did in the digital marketing realm that you liked the best? So digital marketing wise, we tried to launch a, a niche focused product. It was called Game Time Bars. Uh, it was actually a pretty <laughs> cool idea. Uh, we called Sports Bars. We figured out what frequency they have, like specials. So like every Monday, we have twenty five cent wings. So we figure out all their weekly or monthly specials, and then we would tie it up to um, the, their sports teams they show on their TVs, like for games, like football games, basketball games, and everything. And we basically tied sports games with your specials and we would deliver facebook posts so like hey it's monday night football come cheer on the bears as we eat 25 cent wings so it was a really clever idea um uh and it worked we we got a couple hundred bars signed up with us but then facebook changed this algorithm algorithms overnight and our business completely crumbled um Uh. so from there it was kind of like uh you know kind of feeling (laughs) like figuring out what's our next step and and our team we did some website projects on the side as we kind of got things going and and it was actually more so the team enjoyed web design more than anything else which is why i decided to focus on web design so before you got into digital marketing um what like what were you doing is this what you went to school for um the the digital marketing technology the online space just kind of find you uh, what was kind of your your trigger moment when you when you got into technology and and specifically the digital marketing space? Yeah, so I I really enjoyed school. So like I I was actually one of those weird people who like got good grades and like really kind of worked hard and like yeah. really enjoyed getting good grades. And I ended up being a chemistry major, not because I liked it, but because I like got good at answering test questions. And that it was it was taking an entrepreneurship class in college where I realized ah like. You can have passion beyond just being like getting right answers. You can actually find something you enjoy. So it was was one entrepreneurship class I took over a summer that I was just like, okay, this is absolutely what I was born to do. I I like creating things that help people in in small ways or big ways, I would say. Um, And so that was kind of my first taste of entrepreneurship. Um, Oh, man, here we go. I'm going to share it. I patented a (laughs) drinking device back in my early 20s. And got it into Spencer's Gifts um, 
Spencer's gifts used to be big. There was I yeah, got into like ten thousand stores. <laughs> um, and uh, but I, I made a couple bad business decisions at that young age, and uh, I unfortunately had to uh, shut down that business. Uh, very mm-hmm. unfortunately, it was it was a successful product, but I just wasn't running the business correctly. And mm-hmm. long story short, I needed a, a home to find uh, you know an actual career. Founded at Groupon. Uh, I was very successful as a salesperson mm-hmm. there. Um, ultimately over man, overseeing a, a sales team of about 120 people, um, leading new endeavors and stuff with the Groupon team. Um, and then, you know, deciding to sell my stock and start my own business was kind of like really where I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm going in full mode with what I want to do with myself. And yeah. Um, yeah, that's what got me into just wanting, I mean, it just comes back to my core, just wanting to help people. And it just, it seemed like digital marketing and online presence was an easy niche, niche to get into. And as I'm sure we all know, it's an easy niche to enter. It's a very difficult niche to survive and like actually start thriving in, uh, which I lost a lot of hairline figuring out. So. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, it's really it's funny because uh, I'm in the I'm in the digital space. So I know you've been out of it. You're working more on the privacy policy, the regulation side. But uh, from the time you got out of it till now, what have you seen change the most in in terms of the digital agency space? Yeah. So from and I'd be happy to talk about my digital agency days for the for the record. But um, what I've seen after I sold my business, which was to say the least, a very difficult decision I had to make. Yeah. Um, after selling that and going full-time term, I got in uh, making like 50 bucks a month MRR. That was, <laughs> that was some very scary initial months. Um, yeah. Uh, really, what I am seeing on my end is the regulations. We're seeing regulations come into our industry, whether we like it or not. And I'm personally a, an advocate for it's time to stop pretending this stuff is like let's don't downplay it as a web agency mm-hmm. you need to embrace it because if you don't embrace mm. it it's just going to keep piling up and keep getting worse and you're going to be dragged down it's just like embracing new technologies i think people in our industry have to embrace new te- uh, new regulations mm-hmm. Absolutely. we're going to see more and more in accessibility and more and more in privacy and more and more in consumer protection laws i'll, I'll note that too that's like terms and conditions stuff like yep. that sure and you know you, you're you're so right, Hans, and, and we could we could look at it and, and wish that it wasn't the case, mm-hmm. uh, but it is just the reality. And you you spoke a very important principle there for those who are in the digital marketing web design agency space that it's really important if you're going to stay in that space that you just really have to embrace it and learn uh, learn the new rules and and adapt. So uh, that's that's a, a huge principle for anyone who's an entrepreneur for sure. Um, I want to go back though to so you have this this transition you 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 sell your stocks you 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 head out into this space of starting your own agency. Um, always a great question for our listeners to hear the answer to when it comes to how exactly here you are this brand new thing. It's essentially like looking at a blank canvas, right? And now you're going to start something new. How did you grow that business? Um, what did that look like for you um, as you were getting started? Yeah, so um, I remember very vividly. I was sitting in my apartment, uh, getting more and more broke by the minute went by. Um, <laughs> and uh, one thing I'm not afraid of is picking up the phone and calling people. Um, so that is the one thing I did. I started picking up the phone. I had kind of like a, 
I don't know, I put a PDF together of what I do and I would call sports bars and be like, Hey, you know, we offer social media management services. I didn't have an app. I didn't have anything other than my time to exchange for money. And, um, the, my like second phone call, the guy's like, well, you know, I don't need social media. I got that, but can you build me a website? And I'm like, of course I can build you a website. As I'm like Google searching, how do you build a website? <laughs> you know, um, and um, so I, I guess my takeaway from that is like, I listen to customers. I, I listen to people and like what they need help with. And that come, that's a double-edged sword. And I'd love to expand on that shortly here, but sure. that's how I started. I kind of just listened to what people wanted and I started executing on those things. And I didn't bill correctly for my time, which is, as we all know, a whole separate conversation. Um, but I charged whatever I charged. I probably don't even want to share it if I remembered, but like 350 bucks, you know, for like a 40 page website, something, yeah. something ridiculous like that. Um, and I remember still looking at like, okay, do I build a WordPress or, Ju or Joomla website? And like, I just picked Ooh. WordPress. Like I just, yeah. it was a 50, 50 shot in my mind. And I just happened to do WordPress. You just joined that. one of the biggest communities in the entire world without even knowing it. Yeah, you know what just, I mean? Yeah. yeah. 50, 50, <laughs> like it was that search result or that search result. <laughs> which I click. And anyways, um, I really enjoyed it. You know, I found myself like working until like two in the morning, just trying to figure out how to build websites. And like, there was that, I guess there was a lot of drive of like, Hey, I got to figure this out. Otherwise I'm not paying for rent, you know, for, and I would say it was just a downright inner, like in my core, I, I was very, I was just so interested in it. It seems so yeah. liberating being able to, create an online presence for someone else or myself. So I was deeply motivated, I would say, even though it was, I, I prepped for like five days and I started calling people and the very first call was like, well, I don't want that, but do you do this? And I said, sure, you know? So, and, and then boom, like the whole trajectory of my life changed. Um, that is uh, awesome, but, man. Yeah, that's how I got in. That's how I got in, yeah. So, yeah. Go one ahead, the question, Yeah, one of the questions I wanted to ask, right? You You called people cold called, which man, I've done cold calling. I've knocked doors uh, in different professions. I used to be a, <clears throat> excuse me, a supplemental insurance agent way back uh, early in my, you know, working days and knocked door to door, tried to sell insurance. So one of the questions I want to ask you was, did you, uh, did you net, did you begin to network once you started? Did you begin to network with other people, other businesses? Um, what part did networking play in helping you grow your business once you kind of got rolling? Yeah, so um, the cold calling quickly ended, I would say after a few months, like I started to have a, a base of clients and it was just proving myself to those people where then all of a sudden their friend needs a website and their friend needs a website. Right. So, you know, it's it just kind of like I made a little snowball. I made those phone calls. I just talked to people and it turns out like if you're here just to fundamentally help people, I, most people are going to give you the time of day and listen to you. You know, granted, I sell privacy policies for a living and I still stand <laughs> by that statement because like people still are interested enough in chatting with me, which is cool. Um, where networking really came into play is when we, I started having a team and we um, started to have like sales strategies. And one of those strategies mm -hmm. was like, well, we've always just tried to have personal relationships with people. And that seems to have done very well for us. How do we kind of, standardize that but not standardize it and we felt like going to events and like meeting people and 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 um actually we actually went to pretty hardcore degrees we actually looked up marketing firms 
found firms that did digital marketing but didn't do app development would show up at the places we know they're going to be at and like would listen to what they have to share and after they get done like giving a speech or something we'd follow up and come up to them with questions and um just ask them how they're you know what they think about certain things and that that spawned a relationship and those relationships turned into leads for us because turns out digital marketing agencies can't really do a great job unless they have a website that converts highly well i can right. build high converting websites so how about you send your clients to me before you start spending their money on ads and, mm -hmm. and that pitch ended up working out well but um that all came from just meeting up with people and and not really having an a you know obviously we all have jobs we all have agendas in the sense that we need right. to make money but also in the, like not forgetting the fact that you're just fundamentally here to help people and unless you're doing that you know you got nothing really yeah Man, that's such a good point <laughs> i have nothing else to say to that i just want to say that's a really powerful point, and we'll, and we'll maybe round back on that here in a little bit. Cool. But, yeah, powerful. Hans, I wanted to go back to the to the part where you said uh, you listened to what people wanted because, uh, believe it or not, my first, um, my first exposure to you was uh, through the Josh Hall podcast, mm -hmm. and I was on that podcast as well, which was my first podcast I was ever on. It was, but anyway cool. – um, they had me go through um, kind of what I do in a, in a sales situation. And one of the things that just as a, as a, as a digital marketer entrepreneur, one of the skills that I feel like people lack and they don't even realize it is the ability to listen because we always talk about, well, how do you get the lead? Well, okay. You get the lead, but then you actually have to go to that meeting and you have to let them know how you're going to be a solution to a problem. And if you're good at listening, the majority of the time, they're going to tell you how you can be that solution and make your job really easy. But we fail to listen. So can you explain to like the audience, the listeners, uh, like the things that you listened for, how you did that, and kind of how you said, saw that play out? I would love to, Danny. That's actually like my hot button of hot buttons. It's one <laughs> of my favorite topics of discussions. And I'll start this off uh, with a little bit of a zinger. Um, what um, I, I would ask people in sales interviews when I was hiring salespeople, both in my agency and in Groupon days, what do you think is the most important thing a salesperson should do? And anytime someone said, listen, I'm like, they would have to screw up absolutely everything else in that interview for me not to hire them. <laughs> if that's the thing they tell me, I already know I'm working with someone who I want to work with. And I think, um, in a lot of ways it works with development too. Like if you don't know the problem, you don't know what you're doing. Like, you know, and, and, and listening is, is essential to communication. It's the first part. Um, and, and what I t teach in sales is acknowledging, responding, and then act taking action. So mm -hmm. knowledge, respond, act. And, and those three things are literally like the basis of how I operate as a human being. Like in, 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 in really what I could, I can't help but want to share with others. Like, when someone provides you feedback, whether it's positive or negative or just neutral, you need to acknowledge, you need to, under, you need to reiterate what they just told you mm -hmm. to ensure that you interpreted what they said is to, is to be accurate. That's important with like personal relationships too. You have to right. 
ensure that you understood what they said by re reiterating it in your own words um, and, and getting that confirmation. You then respond, meaning you then provide insights that maybe they weren't thinking of when they were provided that feedback. Um, you, you provide your approach or your way of seeing things, and then you mm -hmm. act. Either you ask a question that keeps the conversation going or you, you know, get downright to it. Like, hey, you know, if it sounds good, we can get going if you want. Um, you, you, you set the customer or you set the person you're talking with up to take the next step in carrying out the conversation, allowing you to recollect yourself mm -hmm. and get ready to go through another round. But, man, if you can take anything away, any listener can take this away. Acknowledge, respond, ask, ask slash act. Okay. Um, those are like the three basics of communication in my mind. Um, and um, I, I think about this example. I just put this in my training doc, which is like the weirdest thing. But um, <laughs> I, I was saying, like, let's say you're you, you've had a couple of drinks Saturday night and the next day you're with some buddies and like, hey, let's go to Cracker Barrel. And like mm -hmm. one person's like really hung over, like, I don't want to go to Cracker Barrel. Like, it's too busy. Like an, an example of acknowledging would be like, you know, yeah it's it's sunday morning it's going to be absolutely packed like that's going to suck so yep. you've acknowledged like that being said i need bacon in my stomach right now and i'm pretty <laughs> sure we can ask the cracker barrel people to stick us in the back and since it's just us two we should be seated a little more quickly what do you say i get you in that car i'll drive and let's get to that cracker barrel so like Granted, that's like kind of manipulation, so that's probably not the best example, but, but it's supposed to be a fun example. Right, um, right, right. That's like a fun way of kind of explaining like just how easy it is to like let people know, hey, I'm feeling the same pain you're feeling. I understand right. where you're coming from, but here's what I can do to help alleviate that pain or alleviate that problem. And and wh what do you say, you know, you ask a question or take some action, propose a plan on how to fix it. So it's like it's really just trying to solve problems, but first verifying that you understand where they're coming from. And that's what listening is. So it's really interesting that you said that because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, you said about how like, oh, well, that, that might be a little bit manipulative, but I'm actually sitting here thinking, you know, in some ways for those of us who have experienced the pain of certain situations and it allows us to have true empathy in those situations, like maybe we shouldn't look at negative things that happen in such a negative light maybe we should look at it as an opportunity to relate. So that way we can actually like acknowledge people and then be able to respond accordingly. For sure. I mean, someone complains that like, um, uh, I, you know, someone's like, I didn't, I didn't understand how to embed the term again, privacy policy code on my website. I, I don't get it. And I can just sense like a little bit of frustration in the email, even though I know it's the easiest thing to copy and paste and I can do it, you know, blindfolded. Mm -hmm. I can log into this person's admin account and do it. I still take the time to let them know like, Hey, I'm so sorry that you had a, such a rough experience. Like, you know, it's never fun to spend hours filling out a privacy policy questionnaire only to have difficulty embedding the code. So like <laughs> I've gotten on their level, even though they kind of came at me kind of aggressively and intense. I get on their level and just be like, look, I'm a human. I understand how that's super frustrating. And I'm so sorry you went through that. Let me help yeah. you fix this. Here's the step-by-step yep. video I made for you. You know? So like, it, it's just, you know, it, I don't know. It's, it's, I think, yeah, taking empathy and utilizing it. It's, it's, it's kind of communicating empathy, like commu letting right. them know that 
you understand where they're coming from. And what's great is sometimes you interpret things and you, when you acknowledge and reiterate what you thought they just said, turns mm -hmm. out that's not what they said. And they actually mm -hmm. meant something different. So it prevented you from going down a hill, you know, or going down a route that you should not have gone in the first place as it's not relevant to the conversation. So acknowledging also ensures that everyone's on the same page. So, um, so yeah, so I guess I'm speaking more to how do you react to listening, but I, I yeah, I, absolutely. Is the core essential component of that. If you're not listening, you have no chance at acknowledging. So. Yeah, absolutely. These are like the things that I think that sometimes, and it, and it really agitates me if I'm being completely honest, that some people just have the natural knack and then other, others of us have to learn um, how to relate in that way because we're just not naturally wired that way. Yeah. Dave, I feel like you're somebody who's kind of naturally wired to be able to do that. And I'm not. So it's something that I've had to learn how to do. Would you agree with that? I, I fully would. It goes really back to the story we were sharing in our pre-launch episode uh, where you used to get really frustrated with me or at least a little perplexed as to why in the world my entire day was full of meetings. Um, and yet here, here we are kind of full circle and the reality is, you know, those meetings, those relationships that we build, I'm, I'm just going to kind of just commend you on something here real quick as we're sharing this, that um, it is so very evident at the very core of who you are that you truly are. You're not just someone who says it's about helping people. Um, there's something that just kind of exudes from you that, like, that, man, that's, that is my life. That is what I do. It's who I am. Um, and I'm just going to carry that out. So it yeah, affects I how I listen. It, it affects how I lead my business. It affects everything that I do because you kind of carry that as a core value, which I think is just absolutely phenomenal. Cool. Well, thank you. I, I, that's probably the nicest compliment I've received in years. So I, I'm going <laughs> to try not to turn red here uh, for anyone watching. Uh, that's very nice. Thank you. And, and, yeah, I, I would say something it's natural that comes to me. I do naturally just meet. I, I just don't want people to be sad. Like, I really just want people to be happy right. in life. And, like, if I could be one little small part of that, like, awesome. Like, let's do it. Like, you know. Um, but there's cons to people like me, which is that. I can get my I can I can get myself into a situation where I'm I'm burning the midnight oil for nothing. I mean I mean because like the problem that I have as a person is I don't get paid for my time. I don't want to like I don't I, I always think about how do I take care of myself last and like that's yep. a very big problem in entrepreneurship. Like you actually oh, yeah. need to be valuing your time and like thinking through that. So um you know don't get me wrong there's certainly cons with you know just always wanting to make sure everyone's always happy. Like you're you're definitely going to uh you're going to burn yourself. So like, I think like Danny, you have struggles. Uh, you, you mentioned like go, doing what I just kind of said, I kind of comes naturally to me, but I have struggles with like, um, like just overdoing things for customers right. and like not taking care of myself. And that man, that's a recipe for burnout. That is an absolute recipe for burnout. Um, so yeah. Awesome, man. Well, listen, I want to transition into, uh, the, the new business. Um, and what you're doing now, which is Termageddon. So I was on your website. I was reading a little bit of the backstory. And I just, I find it extremely intriguing, man. This is a, a great story. I wish that, um, I, I wish that I would have like read this earlier or whatever. But um, tell me a little bit about how you and your wife, uh, she's now your wife, but uh, you and your wife first met to discuss creating Termageddon. And uh, kind of like how you guys met. And what those like first interactions were like. Yeah. So um, 
I was looking at buying an agency. So there was an agency up for sale in Chicago where I work and um, I was interested in buying them out and their COO, uh, who's now my wife, um, and their attorney, um, <laughs> <you know>. um, <laughs> um, she represented them and like, um, and long story short, uh, I, I did buy out the company and, and, and then that immediately asked her out on a date. It was one of those things where I, I met this girl and I'm like, who is this? you know, firecracker. I mean, she's yeah. returning, you know, very opposite than who I am, you know, kind of cuts the BS right down the, you know, yeah. knows BS and just calls you out on it. And um, anyways, she, uh, you know, after I bought the agency, I was, I asked her out for dinner and she claimed she thought it was a business meeting, but she's like, I knew something was up when you showed up <laughs> on time wearing <laughs> shoes and, and jeans. Cause usually mm. I just wear sweatpants. So she knew something <laughs> was up. So, um, so yeah, um, she she actually went off to do her own practice, and I, I just sent work her way for like work we needed done, work uh, privacy policies my clients needed, and I couldn't help but notice like when new laws were coming in in like GDPR and stuff like um, that she had to quote higher and higher prices, and like it was like a ticking time bomb until customers were going to have to pay like ten grand to get just a website right. privacy policy, and I had. Used, you know, I used to copy and paste privacy policies from other client websites, like competitor websites. Mm -hmm. When a client would ask me, what should I do for my policies? I was like, all right, let's just go grab one from some competitor website. You know, yeah. granted, nowadays I'm like, not a good long-term strategy for any business. Like that's intellectual copyright infringement, but also <laughs> it's just a bad idea. Like what is that? Gonna, that's just a ticking time bomb. But anyways, she shared her thoughts on why that may not be the best business strategy to just copy and paste legal docs for clients. And lo and behold, we, we, ended, we ended up creating Termageddon. So um, Termageddon, we're an alternative to a privacy attorney. So we're not a legal service provider, even though Donata's an attorney and she's the chair of the ABA's e-privacy committee, we're, our technology that we offer is not a legal service provider. Thus, we're able to charge 99 bucks a year for a set of auto updating website policies rather than, um, you know, 10 grand a year for such a service. So gotcha. Um, yeah. So basically so, our, our tool allows you to identify the laws you're required to make disclosures for. We ask you the questions that you specifically need to answer. And then our tool generates a policy with those exact disclosures. Of course, I'm getting the hiccups mid sales pitch. <laughs> hey, um, uh, Hans, I have, I have a question and this yeah, is yeah. really probably, it's the question that I think every listener has on their mind. And I know Davis uh, has it, but <laughs> here's the question. Okay. It's the chicken the, or the egg question. Yeah, exactly. The question is, we got to go back to you and you and, and your now wife. Um, did you guys create Termageddon before you were married or did you get married and then Termageddon was birthed out of it? Uh, so we were dating and we created Termageddon. Okay. So we were, we were dating and I think even living together. Yeah, because I moved gotcha. in pretty darn quick. I just knew. <laughs> I was lucky. I got I got lucky with that one. It was like when you know, you know. Yeah. I was just in. Like I <laughs> um, but so so yes, we were dating, we were not married. In fact, we just got married like uh twenty-two months ago. Okay. Um, and Termageddon's been around for six years. So that confirms it. So we were definitely um dating. Um and it was kind of a side project. I mean, we called the thing Termageddon. We weren't really expecting it to get to where it's gotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, um, uh, but, you know, GDPR then came and then um, the UK Data Protection Act then CCPA. And now we're staring down the barrel of six privacy laws going into effect next year. 36 privacy bills in America alone mm. right now. Um, and so 
you know, our prediction was that people not only need policies, they're going to need a strategy to keep up to date with these changes in privacy policies. And any typical small business owner is no way going to be able to afford a privacy attorney to monitor those privacy laws, you know, along right. with all the other things they need to pay an attorney to do. Um, so, so it was, we were dating, we, we, we built Termageddon out together. Mm -hmm. She was actually kind of getting tired of the monotony of writing privacy policy after right. privacy policy too. So she had her own motivations. I just felt like the, the products out there that there are other generators out there. We're not really new to like introducing a generator. I think what we really focused on that no one else really did was you have to have a strategy to keep your policies up to date over time. And right. that's kind of what we introduced to the market. And we demonstrate that through all the blogs and bills and new laws we cover and talk about in our blog and stuff. Um, so yeah, that was a very long winded way to answer your question. No, that's okay. No. And so, um, no, I, I, so I just want to, as a digital marketing agency owner, um, like I've used you guys from almost day one when I was introduced to all the legal things that were happening for the very specific purpose that you said, which was like, I can't be monitoring all the laws and all the changes that are going on as a digital marketing owner. And I know business owners can't be monitoring that as well. Um, and so <clears throat> that's why I began like originally, I, I, I always tell people, Hey, it's part of my like website maintenance package. When you, when you get the website maintenance package, you get these privacy policies. And if the state, like where I live in Pennsylvania, if the state mm -hmm. of Pennsylvania and or any other states that you do business with, if they have a privacy law that goes into effect or changes, you are going to be protected. And a lot of them at this point, because all of the laws are so new and everyone's been so conditioned by the Internet being the wild, wild west, they're just kind of like, you know, hey, OK. But like it is important because as soon as they get some type of love letter in the mail, mm -hmm. the first person they're going to come to is me. It's the web designer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And, and, um, that's, uh, yeah, I, I think that's so true. And that's the glaring writing I saw on the wall and like why we set off to build Termageddon. And, and nowadays, you know, we provide web designers and digital marketing firms like free documentation where you can get it documented, where you explain to customers, Hey, just because I built a website for you that may collect names, emails, or other types of regulated data, that doesn't mean I'm responsible for your website policies. You are the one responsible for your policies. You can choose to do nothing. That's fine. Mm -hmm. but you should sign this waiver acknowledging I'm not responsible no matter what route you choose. Yeah. Um, so I think that little document or just any other means to communicate to the fact that, hey, you're responsible, not me, for your website policies. Awesome. And like let them – and I think it's really that simple. They just need to understand that because I think – it, you know, who else is going to tell them other than the web designer? And you might think a law firm. Well, from what I can tell, law firms don't want to deal with privacy either. I think that's why we have so many using our platform. They don't have the time to keep up to date. It's a very niche expertise mm -hmm. that just so many people need, I guess, is the way to put it. So, yes, Hans, great answer. Thank you for that. And, and um, you know, it really ties into where we want to head with the next question because – uh, here, you know, one of our primary focuses with this particular podcast is not only do we want to inspire people, but we want to help people to understand uh, the importance of networking and connecting, as well as giving them tips and practices and how to best do that. And so what type of when you started Termageddon now, here you are, you're, you're pretty much on your like third iteration. 
<laughs> of like business experience, right? Um, you, you got the girl, and you're heading <laughs> heading into into the into the into the into the horizon here. Um, and so, what type of networking did you do now with this particular um, business venture to get people to know about that? To, for you to get to know people who would need this, what did that look like to tell people about this awesome product that you were providing? Yeah, so unlike my agency, which was industry agnostic, like I would service anyone in any industry, Termageddon, we were, although we could service anyone anywhere, our business model was for focusing on offering digital agencies and web design shops a free license forever for their own website so they can try us out and hopefully consider recommending our solution to their clients. So I kind of have like a one-two punch there, which is, hey, I can make money, but I'm only making it if you take what I have for you for free and you love it, and then you decide you want to start recommending our solution. So that was kind of my pitch. But mm -hmm. the difference between my agency and today's day with the, with Termageddon is that because I'm niched down, I know exactly who I'm trying to talk to. I am trying to educate as many web agencies and digital marketing companies as possible on how they should look at website policies and how they should stop running away from it and embrace it. So I, I guess I would say that when entering into net, networking this way, I kind of defined a pitch. It's not like I sat back and like defined a pitch. I just naturally like, this is what I want to sell to people. This right. is what I want to offer to the world. Um, and this is what I, as an agency, would accept as an offer. Like, okay, I will take something for free to test out. And if I like it, sure, I'll recommend it. Mm -hmm. So um, going with that kind of like, I guess it's like a, Go like weapons going to war, you know, that, that that's my like toolbox going yep. to do carpentry, whatever the analogy is. I had like a, my messaging I wanted to share and I started re reaching out to people in the community that build websites, people in the community that talk with digital agency owners. You mentioned that you saw me on Josh Hall. You know, right. I reached out to Josh. I was like, hey, Josh, like I've watched a couple of your podcasts. I seriously wish I knew that exi you existed be while I was running my agency <laughs> um, because I could have learned a lot more and lost a lot less hair. Like had I just listened to a couple of your episodes um, and, and I, you know, so that, I guess that's a form of acknowledgement. Like, Hey, I'm re I'm, I'm contacting you. Yes. I got a sales pitch, but like, I'm first letting you know, like, I, I like what you see. I'm like, I really like what you have to offer. And I explained why I don't just say, a standard. I like what you offer because that's not real acknowledgement. That's artificial, and people will read yeah. right through that. So, right. Um, so basically, I just kind of shared my passions, like a passion about what you're doing. I kind of noted some things, and here's what I'm passionate about now. Do you think your audience would benefit um, with some educational material on what website policies are, and like how and why they need to have a strategy to keep those policies up to date, and how to educate your cl their clients on website policies? And like that was like. Oh my gosh, yes, I absolutely want that. So I guess like this time around in networking, I kind of had just a real compelling reason for people to want to chat with us. Like, hey, this is something I know is important, but I have no idea what it's about. Yes, please come educate my entire audience on this thing. So like that that kind of has been what allowed me to um, kind of get with more of the, like, you know, influencers that are in our space wanting to give us the time of day so that we can have their audience walk away with benefits. So and I don't know if that's networking so much as it is, is like kind of like, education and business development kind of all summed up in one. Um, but, you know, it, it led into other opportunities where now I go to like events that these like influencers have, like um, Troy Dean with uh, Mavcon. Like I, I'm going to San Diego in two weeks to attend his event. Like, and I can't wait to just hang out and talk with some agency owners and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And 
um, you know, it's kind of like there's infinite possibility when you network because, well, you know, I, I took out an agency for drinks uh, two weeks ago. He told me he's wanting to buy out an agency. Um, and just earlier today, I had an agency saying, hey, I want to sell my agency. Do you think anyone would want to buy? I'm going to connect those dots because it's easy. It takes me less than 30 seconds. And I know someone who wants to buy and someone who wants to sell. Like, okay, right. I'm going to connect those dots. So, and, but because I do those little one-off things, I, I'd imagine I'm going to have a long-term bond with that person, even though I'm not doing it to have a long-term bond. I'm just doing it because, hey, I just want to help fix some problems on both sides. Right. I think it just it's it's that constant, you know, of care and attention that you put into these relationships, and it just has, you know, it has um, like I guess good karma, like good yeah. karma kind of comes back to you. But it doesn't work if you're like seeking karma, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so you can't seek it. You just do it. And then, yeah. you know, and then you can be happy that you did something nice and anything else on top is a, you know, is bonus. So, yeah, it's, um, that's, that's really interesting that you say that uh, I had, to, I wanted to ask real quick, as far as the networking, um, man, there's so many interesting things that you're saying. I got like four follow-up questions that I could I know, right? probably ask right now, but I want to try and stay on the networking question just for a second. So primarily what you did was you connected digitally. You almost, you primarily were doing like digital networking and then what happened and just tell me if I'm right on this path, you did a lot of digital networking, which then led to in-person networking where you actually met with people. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. And then they were in events and just like one off, like, Hey, let's go get drinks or dinner or something like that. Yep. That's awesome, man. So like one of the things that, um, like I'm often telling people, new business owners, entrepreneurs, is um, there are some in the world who would love to do away with like in-person networking if they could do it because of the, you know, it can be uncomfortable. It can be scary. Not yeah. everybody feels good about just walking up to a stranger. But as much as I'm a digital marketing agency owner and I understand the, the importance of that, I am such a huge proponent and also in in-person networking as well. So um, I just think it's really interesting how you've done it because uh, honestly, to this point, you're one of the first people who have successfully networked digitally and then converted that into the in-person where a lot of people do the in-person stuff, which then helps them to be able to market maybe more in a digital way. So do you have any like specific tips or tricks um, that you could share with us about how you did that? Yes, I do. It, and and may, I don't know if this is going to be popular or not, but this is just what worked for me. It was because I niched down without a doubt. So during my agency days, because we were industry agnostic, we would service any industry. We would go to more broad, bland mm-hmm. networking events where everyone does everything and there's not really a soul to it. I, I don't, and I hope that doesn't come off the wrong way. That's just how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and we absolutely got deals that way, but it wasn't at the tick or the snowball effect as when we niched down and like really all I did is I started attending events where I had blood for seven years, how to run an agency. I figured, you know, I had to figure out the most in the hardest way possible. Damn near dying. I'm sorry for the cuss <laughs> words, but like no, you're almost fine. having heart attacks. Like I, there would be some stressful nights. Um, <laughs> and, um, and that, 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 you know, kind of, it, it changes you a little bit as a person. And so mm-hmm. because I niched down, I went to niche book specific events. So, and, and I knew what everyone was talking about. So we were all speaking the same language and gotcha. I think niche specific events, events where you understand the industry or maybe you're a beginner, but at least you know, you're a beginner to, and that's how you carry that conversation with you. 
that for me was the absolute game changer. Cause, and I, and like, what I've taken away from it is like the more niche down you get into an event, the more likely you're going to have very unique, very profound conversations and relationships with people because everyone, you feel the same pains. Like, I mean, you know, every, you could go to any WordPress event and be mm -hmm. like, yeah, my client last week said, can you make the logo bigger? And every single person, <laughs> went, oh my gosh, like, right. oh, that client, the client who needs a giant logo in their top, in their top of their website. Everyone knows that client, you know? So mm -hmm. and, and can you make the logo bigger? It's almost become a meme in that space. And, and like, you know, and like, it's just, um, I'm going to make one right now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <huge> logos, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, it's, I think it's like those little things like where if you're in a niche networking event and mm -hmm. you know that industry or at least have a good, a decent enough knowledge, you're going to find it much easier to relate to people, much easier to bond with people because it's not like as fake as like, you know, because there could be a lot of fakeness that comes with some types of networking events. And I think that's what causes the uncomfortableness. Mm. Wow. Super good. Honestly, Hans, I feel like we could we could stick with you. I'm going to let you know right now. We're, we're probably inviting you back uh, for maybe a, a bonus session that we might offer to some of our listeners to just do some practical things instead of talking more story. Um, you know, from time to time, we're going to be offering really just more of like a almost like a whiteboard session to say like, hey, you know, here are some things that you could just use as best practices. Some of the stuff that you're dropping here is just incredibly good and really comes like to tell from just years of refining and learning for yourself. And um, so thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Well, guys, we're going to just give Hans a chance to catch his breath or maybe uh, we got to catch our breath. He's been sharing <laughs> some incredible stuff. Uh, grab a quick drink or uh, he was sharing with us about his dogs before we got onto the episode. So hopefully they're behaving well. Um, but before we jump into the next, uh, the next section, I'm going to talk a little bit about our second sponsor for today's show. Uh, the People You Should Know podcast is sponsored by Axe Token. Axe is a brand new cryptocurrency and NFT built upon principles that are really unprecedented in today's financial market. Axe is here to help you build legacy and generational wealth while also performing acts of kindness that change the lives of orphans, widows, and survivors of abuse. To visit them and learn more, visit www.axetoken.com. Hans, we are... Um... We have been really been talking a lot about networking and um, Dave and I have asked this question. It is a staple of our podcast. Uh, we want, we asked this question to, there have been different questions for everybody, but this one we asked to every single person because um, we are big believers that it is through people and relationships that, um, that our greatest potential is unlocked. <clears throat> so I wanted to ask you, and outside of your spouse, so we, we, we kind of say spouses aren't allowed in this because uh, they're definitely the people that unlock some of the greatest stuff in us. But um, outside of your spouse, who is the most important person that you've met professionally that you feel has unlocked your greatest potential? So it would be my spouse, but I see that's off the, uh, that's off the <laughs> item list. So that makes it a very good question. Um, so... We have a primary investor um, who has kind of put his faith into me back, back even when I was running my agency, um, he, he put, he invested into me and um, very different than me. I'm, I'm much more like, you know, loud, outgoing, passionate, you know, kind of person. He's like, it sounds bad, but calculated, 
yep. and like very collected. Um, and he is way better of a listener than me too. I can't, he is from like logistics and he can understand the complex nature of a privacy policy generator. You know, I, we don't share it often, but I genuinely believe we have the most comprehensive generator in the world without a doubt. Um, and we're able to explain to him very particular, you know, details that I, and he gets it. He like understands it. <laughs> and that has always um, inspired me to just chill out more and like, listen more. So, you know, we go, it kind of brings mm -hmm. us back to the beginning of the conversation, but sometimes I get so excited to want to help someone. I like can sometimes like close myself off from even listening. And like the ability to just be so calm and collective and like hear people and like you respect that person and they respect you. And like that bond is something I know that it's rare. And that's, I guess why I appreciate so much. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's been a, he's been a sounding board for me for 10 years now. Um, he's seen me go through very difficult times, very successful times and, and everything in between. And so um, I think this individual has helped me understand mm -hmm that listening is the most important thing you can do in any relationship, um, even when you're opposite people. Um, and that, um, and if you truly listen, you can understand quite complex things that maybe you didn't even have a remote idea of 30 seconds prior to the conversation beginning. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, dude. I, I would just give that a giant, like thumbs up. Amen. Uh, you know, I think that's, that is, um, super important. I found that to be true in my life too. Probably I can really relate to, to what you're saying about listening. And although my wife would probably argue that sometimes I need to listen better, which probably all of our wives would uh, probably say the same thing. I, it has been an area where I have grown. And so I catch 75% of what's being said now, instead of only like 20%. So, yeah. Hey, that's um, way more. That's yeah, great. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that's catching more, more information. So yeah, that's more than three Xing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As an entrepreneur, we're striving for three X or more, you know, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah. Right? Yes. Uh, hey, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, there's always, a, there's always these moments I can remember and actually shared uh, in one of the, the, the previous podcast uh, about a moment when I signed some really big clients and it was kind of like my big break. So I want to ask you, when did Termageddon really get its big break? Is there a specific client that you reached out to or a series of clients that kind of came on board and you guys were like, hey, this this is happening? Yeah, I would say it was when the admin bar, which is a Facebook group community of WordPress designers, uh, when the owner of the admin bar reached out to me, because I guess some people within that community were talking about, hey, this new thing called Termageddon is around. And I remember that phone call. I was, I was at the train station. I was just, you know, standard Hans, like running around the place. I'm on my phone. There's a train running in the background. And this guy's like, hey, I'm from the admin bar. And I didn't quite understand what he was saying. But I was like, yeah, you know, I'd be happy to do a podcast or whatever. And and we did one and, you know, I, I, he had like 300, 400 people in that group um, at the time. And he interviewed me and like all three or 400 signed up the next day for our platform. And oh like, gosh, I was like, awesome. holy moly. And that was kind of like, <laughs> and that's kind of served as my home base now too. And like that group is just such an awesome group to be a part of. Um, if you, if you build WordPress websites in particular, mm -hmm. as people teach you, you know, Hey, don't do this, do this, you know, <coughs> <clears throat> trying to help out one another. Um, so that was kind of our kind of, in my opinion, like our kind of breakout kind of experience mm -hmm. where 
you know, we were making a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, kind of figure out how best to do this. And then someone saw what I saw with the, like the potential of Termageddon and wanted to share it with this community. And like, and then from there, we just kind of, I don't want to say blew up because that's just relative, but in my right. mind, we blew up, you know, we more than three <laughs> X. So yeah, yeah, that's blown up for me. Oh, yes. um, but yeah, it was, it was that, it was that phone call that I, I vividly remember just being like, you know, I was just happy to talk to someone like, yeah, yeah. I'll talk to you about Termageddon. And who, I can't believe someone's calling me wanting to talk <laughs> about Termageddon, you know, like, Holy moly. Like I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> That's so, so awesome. Um, so yeah, I think that was a, a very precious moment for me. It certainly was defining in my mind. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, that, most people it's like, Hey, I, I landed a big client or I landed, you know, a few clients and you're like, well, I, you know, an extra three, four hundred people, you know, no big, no big deal, right? Well, no, for the record, I think we were like at two hundred people, three hundred people, oh my gosh, you know. So yeah, I mean, we doubled, you know, from that. And I guess you're, there are finance, you know, financial results from it, but it was more the fact that I think, like, as I talked this out, I think it was like the fact that someone called me wanting to interview what I had to offer the world. It's almost all my career been me trying to share with people, hey, here's how I can help you. This was like the reverse, like, Hey, I heard you can help me. Can you tell my audience? You know, I was like, Oh man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So yeah, super big deal. And I think that speaks a lot to you just being um, not only really good at what you did up to that point, as far as listening, making sure that your message and what you were sharing and what you were providing was so consistent and clear. Um, you're by the way, I mean, just for the record, your, your website, I love it. And, and how you communicate your messaging and everything. It's super mm -hmm. good. Uh, so well done there. Um, let's, um, let's get a little technical here for a minute because this is really at the, at the forefront of why Termageddon exists. How have you seen the internet transform over the last three years as it's becoming more governed and regulated more tightly? What would you say about that? Yeah, um, so uh, whether you like it or not, uh, people's data is being regulated. So names, emails, phone numbers, IP addresses, that's becoming regulated under multiple pri uh, bodies, governing bodies by the use of privacy laws. So privacy laws protect people. They don't really care where your business is, where your website is, where you're located, where you run your website. So if you have a website and you're collecting data from people from certain states, countries, or even continents, you may be required to comply with their laws, even though you're located somewhere else. That is a fundamental thing that people really need to like, like kind of soak in, which is privacy laws don't care about where your business is located. If you're collecting the regulated data of people, certain states, countries, or continents, you may be required to comply with their laws and make very specific disclosures in your privacy policy to comply with their laws. So that's really the biggest I think that's kind of the first thing that kind of breaks open people's minds, like, which is like, oh, wow, I have a website. Yeah, I would welcome business anywhere, really. Oh, my gosh, I need to comply with a ton of privacy right. laws. Mm -hmm. So um, so I think that's like the biggest um, like thing that I would want to pass off to people in terms of like, how do I just get a general concept of why privacy is becoming a big deal? Because people deserve a right. Well, it's my opinion. People deserve a right to their privacy. Right. As a small business owner, I'm extremely frustrated at the idea that if I just want to have a website, now I have to comply with a multitude of international privacy laws just to have a website up. Like that's the part that I don't like. And obviously that's why we created Termageddon to try to 
still respect people's privacy rights by providing the policies you're required to provide and the disclosures you're required to provide. Um, and therefore you get to support privacy still and still be an advocate for it. Cause I, I have yet to meet, I, I've met some people who are like, well, I don't care about privacy cause I don't really care about, I, I like getting ads that are targeted towards me. Like, yeah, me too. Like, of course I like relevant ads over non-relevant ads. Like what we're talking about here is like the foundations of the future in terms of people going online. If we don't have privacy rights as people, man, we're all, it's going to be it, pick. It's going to be like a, a spinning wheel and you get to ch like, you know, spin the wheel and find mm -hmm. out which Black Mirror episode we're going to live out for the rest of our lives. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, privacy is worth fighting for. And hopefully tools like Termageddon can help small business owners continue to have an online presence without feeling like they're just being regulated down to nothing. So, um, mm. yeah. Yeah. So what would you what would you say? I mean, you, you're really hinting at this, but just to give it some more direct language, what would you say to people who uh, feel that there's just too much government overreach. How would you respond to that? So, uh, well, I think we would have to, 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 to cut that down a little bit because government overreach, that can go into many different segments. Right. So let's talk about it in terms of privacy, if that's all right. So um, government overreach in terms of privacy, I, I believe that privacy laws are being created because the government are listening to its people who want privacy rights. So they're creating mm -hmm. these laws to protect and regulate that data. Now, there is definitely a school of thought that's like, you know, well, governments want to make some extra revenue off of Facebook and Google and, you know, all the big players that are harvesting data and selling it off to the highest bidding advertiser, mm -hmm. which I could understand that side and, and certainly see from the uh, fines that have been issued. Yeah, they like to typically target big ticket items and like target, you know, companies for hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in, in fines. Um, but I would definitely argue that there's absolutely a growing number of people that value privacy more and more. And I think it's just because consumers are wanting those privacy rights, mm -hmm. which are why governing bodies are listening to them and creating them. So personally, I don't think it's a go government oversight thing. I think it's the government listening to what they, the, what, people are asking them to do and creating those things. The problem, the problem with this is that every governing body is creating their own privacy laws with their own definitions, their own disclosure requirements, mm -hmm. their own like rules, their own penalties, their own everything. So in that, in that concept of different governing bodies, creating their own different stuff is what is ridiculous in my opinion, because you, you're a small business owner, you want to launch a website, and now you have to understand 10,000 pages of legal documents <laughs> to, to just have a, just to have a website. And like, I get it, like, you know, 10 years ago was the Wild West building websites and stuff, but we cannot go down the route of, of you're, it's going to hinder small businesses if things aren't figured out otherwise. So um, I don't, so I guess I say this all to say, I don't believe the government's doing this as a, how do we, how do we like, how do we control more people? In right. fact, I'd argue the opposite. Privacy rights, governance, governments are held to those privacy rights. Um, they, they actually are held to that. And that's a whole, whole yeah. rabbit hole we could all go down. Like right now with mm -hmm. data transfers from the EU to the US, that is a nightmare and probably, probably worth a whole other episode. Uh, but long story short, governing bodies are held to these standards as well. So I think, I, to me, that symbolizes the fact that these these rights are being created for the people and not for oversight. Um, but that's just my opinion. You know, I'm, yeah. I, there's probably people that disagree, and well, I respect that. Like I, I, I see the other side for sure. 
Well, yeah, we obviously you're working in the midst of uh, you're 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 basically understanding all of this for everybody. And no pressure. <clears throat> no pressure. <laughs> but also helping all of us to understand like the purpose behind it. So um, moving kind of from privacy laws to ADA a little bit. Um, um, before, before we move to privacy, can I just give one piece of advice to anyone who thinks they don't share data? You go so for it. All the time I hear people say, well, I don't share data. I don't need privacy policies. Well, okay. First off, that's not how privacy policies apply. Most privacy laws apply to you the moment you collect a piece of data, like a name, an email, an IP address. Like that, the moment you collect it is when privacy laws apply. And I also would bet I will just about guarantee you are sharing data. And I'll give you a great example. And that, this is rhetorical, but does your website have a contact form on your contact page? Most people say yes. Okay, when someone submits an inquiry on that contact page, do you receive an email in your email inbox with that person's contact details? Yes. Excellent. You've just explained an example of sharing data from your website to your email service provider, whether it's Gmail, Yahoo, mm -hmm. Outlook, whatever third-party email service provider you're using, you just share data with that email service provider the moment someone inquired on your website. It sent you an email, and now it's on those servers. So share, you share data with MailChimp, Constant Contact, HubSpot, Salesforce, Google, Google Analytics, reCAPTCHA. So data, is, data sharing is very, very common selling data is what is uncommon, which I think people mix up those two words. So I just wanted to get on my high horse and now I'm off it. Um, uh, that was, I just wanted to, you know, if I have a platform, I, I want to share that. Sharing data, common, you still got to disclose it. Selling data, uncommon, you still got to disclose that. Right. Too. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm just going to cut this little section out because when I go and talk with clients slash potential clients, they, I, I'm trying to explain to them why they need a privacy policy. And a lot of times I'll say, those, you know, everybody wants a contact page, right? Everybody wants visitors to somehow be able to reach out to them. A lot of times it's a contact form. And immediately, I, you know, that brings me to the conversation where you're, collect, you're collecting data. You need to let people know what, what you're, you're doing, doing with, that, with that data because that's their right. And a lot of times people are like, well, it's just the internet. You know, it's just, it's just a website. And a lot of times, you know, they let me just say that it ha, as a website designer and a digital market marketing agency owner um this has been one of the more frustrating times because when i got into this i was like i'm going to design websites i'm going to help people get found mm -hmm. and more and more and more and i say this to people all the time it's like i'm like i'm like 30% digital agency owner and then like 70% like law professor trying to explain <laughs> to people what is going on in the landscape and um yeah. it, it can lead to some to some frustration with certain with certain business owners because um you know it's just an added thing for small businesses and they feel like it's an attack against them rather than yeah. than helping them to grow their business i agree and, and danny before we go into ada let me just uh let me i'd love to just kind of go off that so you know, what my thought would be let's how do we acknowledge respond and ask and the way i would acknowledge be like hey look like this stuff wasn't really a big deal 10 years ago, maybe not even five years ago. Like I, I get it. Like I, I understand that it might seem excessive and all that stuff. Um, and, and, and trust me, I understand. I used to copy and paste privacy policies, you know? Right. And so, so you get on their level a little bit acknowledging like, yeah, this wasn't a big deal back then. And, and now it's, you know, and I get why you might want to downplay it. Um, the good news is that you're a business owner. You get to make this decision yourself. I just 
you know, feel like I have a professional obligation to let my customers know that they may be legally required to have policies. And then you take action. You know, if it's all right with you, would you mind just signing this waiver where you just acknowledge that I told you, you you may be legally required to have policies and that you can check off the box saying you don't care and you understand mm-hmm. you're not responsible, but you, you understand that you're choosing not to have policies and you're acknowledging you're not holding me liable. And now all of a sudden that little conversation, like where they're trying to get you to provide legal advice, which you don't provide, you know, you just have them sign a waiver where they just sign off saying, look, I don't want policies. And, and I'm actually a big advocate for that. They're business owners. They can decide what risk they want to take. Let them sign it off, though, confirming that you're not responsible for their Correct. decisions. So, yeah, and as we transition into the ADA conversation, right, in, in March 2022 of this year, the DOJ officially issued guidance. Um, so for those of you who aren't aware, the uh, ADA law went into effect, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1990, and the first website was designed and, and, and put up in 1991. So ADA existed before uh, websites. And for a long time, websites were not a part of the ADA conversation. Um, so the first question I have that I wanted to ask you on this, Hans, is uh, what do you make of the timing of the DOJ um, issuing this essentially right after the COVID-19 pandemic kind of had hit its crescendo and now we're coming out of it. Um, okay. So uh, I'll fir- I first want to note, uh, you know, I live and breathe privacy. I don't live and breathe accessibility. So sure. I know that they're in, you know, in the web space, those are very two common things that get put together. I obviously talk a lot about it, but I, I would not consider myself an expert. So I, I just want to sure, uh, yeah. note that. Um, so as for timing, um, the DOJ coming out just after COVID, well, we do know that with COVID, more people went online, uh, more people started creating, you know, their own businesses and stuff like that. Um, we saw that with like uh, Squarespace, was it Squarespace's financials, like just a giant boom and like online presence, people going online and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as I understand it, accessibility kind of is, as I understand it, it breaks down onto like even a per state level in the US, mm-hmm. like Florida has its own rules, New York has some stuff coming out, California has some stuff. And then there's um, W3C, um, that uh, tends to hold the standard of it. Um, side note, W3C has a, a free accessibility generator, um, accessibility statement generator that you can utilize to generate an accessibility statement. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I guess I would say I don't know if it was convenient timing, inconvenient timing, or just completely like they just finally got around to it. What I do know is that with privacy, we did not see much. We saw all the stuff growing up and building up, building up, and mm-hmm. then COVID hit, and then like privacy became not anyone's priority. Everything kind of took a pause for two years, and now we're dealing with like a backlog of like brand new laws going into okay. effect. And we're dealing with a lot. So using that as an example, my guess would be that maybe it was something they wanted to address. COVID happened, priorities changed, and now that COVID's kind of on its tail end, mm-hmm. they're now getting going with the rest of the stuff they wanted to get going with. So that would be a that, but that's a pure guess. Like, right. So why, I've done can... I've done some research on this and um there have been a lot of lawsuits that have been um out there. Some of the most major companies uh target um <clears throat> excuse me, Joanne Fabrics. Uh, some institution, educational institutions, Syracuse University. Um, And so I've just, I've done a lot of research on this. And so I think what ended up happening, none of these, none of these actual lawsuits ended up going to 
court. They all settled, settled under mm-hmm. litigation. But my mm-hmm. guess is, is that um, this is my own theory. I have like, my own theory on this, I guess. But I, my guess is that um, COVID caused more people to go online than ever before. Out of that came more um, complaints. Yeah, all these all these issues where people that needed to be able to use these websites weren't able to use them. More lawsuits came out of that, and the DOJ said we got to. I actually think they did this to protect corporations hmm. from themselves in a way, <clears throat> in order to um, not to, to know what the standard is and then be able to be compliant with it. That's my 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 theory. As I've been kind of researching this a little bit. I think that's a, a fantastic theory, and and um, you know, to, to complement that, I can definitely say, uh, from what I've heard from accessibility, it's hard to understand what is the right thing to do and what is the wrong thing to do. Of course, there's the easy ones. There's the easy things you can do to make sure they're being done, but then there's a lot of stuff that's up for interpretation mm-hmm. on, on how things are to, are to be interpreted. So, I guess like with the DOG DOJ uh, setting standards. I mean, I guess in a lot, that's a great thing. I mean, at Mm -hmm. least that people know what they need to do because if businesses are left not knowing how to do things or like, I don't know exactly what they mean by this. You need to do X, Y, Z. I don't understand exactly what they mean by that. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's the stuff that can get people into trouble when they're, they actually very well may be trying to make their website as accessible as possible. So yeah, um, yeah, I could see that very well being the case. Awesome. Uh, last question um, for you, um, and uh, it might put you on the spot here a little bit, and I'll gladly give my opinion on this too, just so you you wouldn't feel like you're on the spot. But um, I've had a lot of conversations with small business owners, and, and this really this really goes across um, probably all of these privacy policies. You know, cookie consent, privacy policies, terms and conditions. Um, and and maybe even more for like ADA, but do you see do you see like maybe all these policies being a civil rights issue across the board, or do you feel like maybe some of them fall into that category more than others? Uh, could you? What do you mean by civil rights issue? <clears throat> so, for like instance, I'll give you I'll give you kind of my take on the ADA. Right, yeah. um, as a small business owner. Uh, I want anybody and everybody to be able to access my website um, and also to have the protection that they, I believe they deserve uh, Mm -hmm. by being on there. And so I almost feel like that's their, like like that's their right to be able to, to have protection when they're on my website, to be able to access my website and to not provide that for uh, not to not provide that for potential customers or visitors. it, It almost, breaks kind of that civil rights code that that we've put into like the 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 physical space yeah um okay i think that's fair it's almost like privacy rights are a subset of civil rights um accessibility rights are a subset of civil rights and and yeah i would say maybe that is like kind of the overarching umbrella terms and conditions set the rules to using the website like refunds cancellations for e-commerce websites mm-hmm. that it con- that involves consumer protection laws which i would imagine are kind of more of a civil rights type thing so um yeah i i would you know without you know being on the spot but yeah I, yeah I absolutely towards, yes yeah that makes a lot of sense to me yeah that's it's yeah. just we're entering a new world so they, there needs to be new definitions for like what those fall into like privacy rights 
uh, consumer protection laws, uh, accessibility rights, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I, I say this or I even ask this question is because a lot of times when I'm having conversations with clients, Dave, maybe you've ran into this too when you're talking to people, but like I'll have the ADA conversation, right? I'll say, hey, March 2022, the DOJ gave this guidance. Um, I want to inform you. I want to be able to revisit your website. You know, um, you should have, like, according to the DOJ, you should have this. And obviously, I do provide them a waiver saying, basically, I've been educated and I'm choosing not to do this. But yep. as the conversation goes on, uh, for those who are willing to entertain the conversation for a long enough time without maybe getting angry about government and overreach and all that political stuff, a lot of times we end up having a conversation that ends up being like, well, doesn't it make sense that we let everybody have access to our websites the same way we do our buildings and the way that we do everything else? So that's kind of how that was birthed. And then the more that I think about it in terms of privacy policies, um, terms and conditions, the cookie consent, I really feel like all that kind of goes into that space. But just like when you're having an argument online, right? You're yelling at somebody behind a computer and you feel like they're not a person. I feel like we have this weird thing where we're like, well, it's the online space and people aren't behind what's going on there. So that's kind of my, my overarching theory on all of these policies. And um, I actually think it's a, I think it's like either the next or without us even knowing it, it is a civil rights movement that is happening. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, it's, it's amazing how you can get stuck into one of those, whether it's accessibility, ADA, um, mm -hmm. or privacy, or consumer protection laws, and you can spend your entire career and focus on just one of those three pillars. <laughs> yeah. um, what I can definitely say is I definitely do not believe like there's like an overarching entity that's kind of ensuring all these things get created. Mm -hmm. I think these are just consumers requesting these things to be created. And that is how, and the government's just simply responding right. and doing what governments do, which is creating the regulations that people are asking for. Um, not to mention it gives them a job. And, you know, we all know that governments love to have as many jobs as possible. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, like they've opened up a whole new branch of my business in the digital marketing space. We have a whole new subset of, things that we that we offer now that can because help of these I mean, regulations absolutely yeah yeah and and mm -hmm. and granted i get it small businesses are not expecting to hear that it's going to cost an extra 50 you know your your website quote is going to be twice as much if you want to address accessibility like people are not ready for that type of statement you know um and i think you're doing it great which is having them sign off where they acknowledge you're not responsible for their compliance like that's in my opinion, the best practice one can do because, hey, look, if you can't afford to pay for compliance needs and things like that, that's fine. Being your contractor, I need you to at least acknowledge that I told you that I'm building this under these under this pretense and that I'm not like, you know, doing it wrong or something. So I think your approach is great. And I think that's what we're going to see for the time being. I think right now we're all to a certain degree kind of scared. What is the future going right, to entail? Yeah. You know, how is, is accessibility building websites with accessibility in mind going to be this dreadful experience again and again? I bet 10 years from now, there's going to be solutions where it's like every website by default comes with privacy in mind, comes with accessibility in mind. I think that's going to be the standard 10 years from now, but we're right. figuring that out together right now. And it's hairy and messy and and tough. So I guess I have faith in the fact that like, we're all a smart enough group of people. We're going to figure out how to do this reasonably affordably for small business owners. Cause right now, in my opinion, being a small, uh, being a web designer, 
and then telling your client, Hey, if you want this, it's going to cost you five extra grand. And they're just like, Man, <laughs> is this person trying to sell right. me? Are they, you know, what, what are their intentions? It's like, all we're trying to do is help you, but you don't want to, you know, acknowledge it. I feel like web agencies got it tough right now. Uh, but I think that time will go. I think that time yep. will pass. And, and there'll be tools and technologies that make all this stuff a lot easier. So agree. Yep. Well, guys, we have definitely gotten in the weeds. Um, we've talked networking. Uh, Dave's <laughs> laughing at me. He's probably, he's like, holy cow, this went deeper. But um, I've done a lot of homework on this, but we went through networking. Uh, we talked about uh, Hans's journey from digital marketing agency owner um, to then selling that agency, uh, finding the love of his life, creating to creating Termageddon, uh, and just really helping, hopefully helping um, everyone understand the importance of networking and then also becoming a little bit more uh, educated on privacy policies, um, you know, really just having a greater understanding of, of why um, they are necessary, what the government is trying to do. And, and Hans, um, I just wanted to give you a couple of seconds here. How can people reach you if they have questions, if they have, I mean, this is definitely a, a conversation that um, can be confusing. So how can they reach you uh, and where can they find you at? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash deep space Hans um, is always a fun one. You can also shoot me an email, uh, Hans, H-A-N-S, at termageddon.com. Um, if you're interested in some auto updating policies, um, great. Check us out. 10 bucks a month, 99 bucks a year. Um, we have lots of resources in our blog. Um, we have a YouTube channel. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, of course we do. Yeah. With tons of good videos. Um, uh, and yeah, um, yeah. If, 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 you know, more than welcome to email me, happy to answer any questions you have. Fantastic. Well, thank you to everybody for joining us this week on the people you should know podcast, a very special thank you to today's guest, Hans Skillrude, for sharing his journey with us. Make sure to never miss an episode of the podcast by subscribing to our mailing list at heydoyouknow.com. That's heydoyouknow.com. On next week's episode, we will be chatting with someone from my old Kentucky home. I'm super excited about this. Jason Epperson. Jason is going to talk with us about how he's been able to network and connect to draw talent from Hollywood to central Kentucky to shoot thousands of commercials for, uh, for brands you and I know very well. So thanks again. Thank you for joining the people you should know podcast. We hope that today's episode has inspired you to connect with others and unlock your greatness until next time. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the people you should know podcast. Do you know somebody amazing? Do you wish everyone knew about them? We can't wait to hear from you. Drop by one of our social pages and send us a message with your nominee to be a featured guest on People You Should Know.